If you did but see her passing by, uh, you you might have wanted to buy a teacup to mark that moment, or, or a teaspoon, or possibly even a tea towel. Uh, the reign of Queen Elizabeth II, it's, it's remarkable for its length, and also for the, the commemorative items that attended it. This second Elizabethan era, it, it saw a surge, the proliferation of the royal image, the internet, television, film, print, and in a variety of everyday objects. And it's that aspect we're focusing on here, the, the commemorative plate, the tea tin, the teaspoon. There is a lot of this, a wealth of this material at Sydney's Powerhouse Museum. Now, it, this institution, it holds a vast array of Elizabethan objects from the cutlery bearing the Queen's image to the cutlery used by the Queen herself. And these are items that tell many stories about Australian modernity, for one thing, a, a history in these objects of industrial design, and perhaps a tale of in increasing informality in our relationship towards monarchy, perhaps not. Let's see, Annie Turnbull is someone who has spent a lot of time in the, the Powerhouse collection. She is a curator at that institution, otherwise known as the Museum of Applied Arts and Sciences in Sydney, where she joins us from today. Annie, hello. Oh, hi. I suspect there is a, a substantial historic collection, and I suspect there will soon be a substantial contemporary collection of, of memorabilia to mark the Queen's passing. Yeah, it is interesting that we have a diverse range of material uh, regarding Queen Elizabeth, but also some of the other monarchy that existed before her. And you're right, it is a range of commercially produced material, but sometimes like individually made objects like an apron or a tea towel. I noticed in just going through that little list in that introduction, the, the, the dominance of the word tea <laughs> seems to be a bit of an element in many of these objects. Well, Britain's had a very long relationship, hasn't it, with the marketing and the, the creation of teacups and um, selling tea. I mean, I, I guess one of the objects that I really like is the Bushels tea container. So that is quite gorgeous, produced like many other things in 1954 when Queen Elizabeth came to Australia. She was mm. the first reigning monarch to actually come to Australia, so it was a very big thing. Do you have any sense so from that visit within the Powerhouse Collection, how many items of memorabilia from the 1954 tour? Yeah, look, it does depend what search terms you use. So there's probably, in one way, there's 660 from when I put it into wow. the web. I think, no, a lot of them were teacups and also we have, like, there's a range of things like the invitations to the official events. I think what's fascinating is if there was a sort of flat surface that could have a, an image of a royal or of the queen on it, <laughs> then, then we used it. <laughs> yes, that's a good rule of thumb. <laughs> well, it's not just those produced commemorative items. There is, for example, in the collection, a, a napkin used by the Queen during her 1954 visit. What do we know of the provenance of that? How, how, how did it come into your hand? Look, we have such a diverse way that objects come into the collection. We get gifts from individuals. We purchase some at auction if we know we really want it, and we get bequeathed things. And that particular napkin and the, the cutlery were given to us by David Lloyd-Jones, I think it is, who was the son of the managing director of the Jones. They were actually used at a special event in David Jones during the royal tour. 
I had a wee look at this napkin, not in, in just on the line. It's quite plain. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for <laughs> like, lipstick, I must say. No, I don't <laughs> think so. Oh. I mean, it, she might have brushed her fingers past it. It looks pristine. It's not heavily embroidered or anything. So, I mean, I'm sure high quality, very high quality material, of course. <laughs> well, and in line with her, her famous taste for a frugal simplicity, I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think so. But we we sometimes borrow objects too for an exhibition and for a jewellery exhibition we had about six years ago. We borrowed this incredible waffle brooch from the royal collection, and it was one of apparently Her Majesty's favourite brooches. So it was made by an Australian Belgium designer, and it had 150 diamonds on it. But it was a spray of beautiful waffle, and she did wear it quite a lot. That was amazing to get it from the royal collection. I, I wonder for for the powerhouse collection. Uh, for, for something to make the cut as as a, a piece of queen related material, what I mean, how close does it need to be? What's what's the what's the barrier to entry? Well, we do get offered a lot of material between about twenty and two hundred objects a week, so we are quite selective. So often we look at who made it. Was it is it a significant designer? Like we have the most beautiful wrapping paper designed by Douglas Annand as part of his archive that was made for Farmer Brothers. Uh, a large store in the 1940s for the Queen's tour, so 1950s as well. So that you can imagine that he was such a fantastic designer, graphic mm. designer. So we do look at has it got a great story? Has it got a great provenance? Did somebody stand near the Queen and she touched it? No, just joking. But I think it's always the story of how it was made, who used it and where it's been that really adds to any object in our collection. There are many aspects, of course, to the stories that these objects tell, and yes, one of them is those sorts of things of, of personal connection and so forth. But there are others, as you've been suggesting, around design and around the, you know the the way in which we, over decades, choose to commemorate a person tells us something about not only that person and us, but also about that that thing of, of process, design, and taste. Absolutely. And I do think, though, that we, it's not just the royal family that we've commemorated. We really love producing material, and particularly when manufacturing and design processes enable us to mass produce. So, the opening of the Harbour Bridge in 1932, more recently, the Opera House. So, I think what it's done is allow a broader range of material for a broader range of wallet. So, people have with any income could purchase a tea towel or the newspaper of the day, which would have a special um, a cover. So, yeah, certainly I think more material is of more widely available to a broader range of consumers, and that's what we really have seen. I think with the royal family, have there's a complete production kind of from a lot of different producers kind of get into the act really so they can... <laughs> Yes. Well, and, and, and some with with great uh, great delicacy. I was going to say that. Tell tell me about. Uh, I, I believe you have with the collection as a toy model of the coronation coach. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. Look, it, it, it's that thing. We have a remarkable toy collection, and we have um, incredible cars and stuff. But it's that that. Thing of being able to own a bit of the royal family, I think, and and it's beautifully made. I think you can immediately imagine yourself as a king and queen inside the toy coach. Now, it's not all in the collection um, uh, unalloyed admiration. You've got a, a Sex Pistols T-shirt, as I understand it, as well. <laughs> 
Yeah, we do have a bit of contemporary clothing that reflects the Queen, perhaps not in the way that the rest of the collection indicates. I mean, I do think contemporary photographers and artists have started using royal uh, signatures and photographs in a, in a different way in their work. But I also wanted to... Jonathan, to just to say that when I started searching in the collection, I found that one of the oldest objects that we have is from 1560. It's oh, a gosh. coin. I know. Isn't it remarkable? It's a, a, a coin, uh, a shilling of Queen Elizabeth from who was around in 1558 to 1602. We have a great collection of coins and medals that celebrate uh, and commemorate different royal events, but that I thought was amazing. And then when I looked up the history of it, we, it was transferred from the Australian Museum in 1961, but it was originally came from us, the Technical Museum, in 1899. So <laughs> it's like because, you know, we started in the 1880s and then 1893 we were built in Harris Street as the Technological Museum, but I find that remarkable. You never know exactly what we're going to have in our collection on any given topic. It's so broad. What a remarkable thing to just (laughs) be in the same room as a little bit of currency from the 16th century. It's glorious. Yeah. So I do do find some of the handmade things particularly lovely. They may not be fancy, Mm. but they're just like there's an apron that was made in 1954 by someone and it was donated by them. It's just a cream apron with uh, blue stitching around the outside and a little crown embroidered in red and a little H, you know, E-R, Her Majesty, embroidered as well. So just it's quite, you know, of its time in the style that it's done. And I think these objects kind of mark a point in history and particularly the non-mass produced. I mean, they've, mm. both, they've all got a place, but that kind of individual approach to making something to commemorate. It's very clean, so I don't think it was worn. Well, I, I love the story of the apron for various reasons, but because, A, well, that, that act of of devotion and affection in making it, but B, then the thought of either the maker or perhaps their children, uh, that it should go to a museum. I think that's marvellous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the other thing that we, we often get, like, we get individuals donate material, but we have uh, we got a collection in 81, 1981 from the Royal Australian Historical Society, and it's just got the most remarkable material of Marsden and MacArthur and a little bit of royal material, a little bit of textile, but not 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 any of Queen Elizabeth. Mm. So I'm just thinking about the way that we sort of prior to Queen Elizabeth how people were remembered. We've got a bust of Queen Alexandra, who was in the 1800s, and we've got a large bust of Queen Victoria. She seems to have inspired quite a few large busts, and it was from a farmer's brother's building. It's a beautiful um, stone carving from the late mid-late 1800s. But I haven't really seen any busts to Queen Elizabeth hmm. here. I wonder if, it, if wonder if it's just a style of commemoration which is, you know, out of favour. We, we're not so keen on a lot of statuary anymore. Yeah, I I think it is. I think we've shifted to the smaller, to the more portable and obviously consumable ways of remembering the Queen. I'm curious, in the Queen's reign, where's the biggest hump in the collection? Would it be the in in, for Australian stuff in in the tour of fifty four, or the marriage of Diana and Charles? Who who did best in the merch? We're just one of many collecting institutions and we haven't done, we don't have a lot of Diana, even though we had a fantastic exhibition years ago on Princess Diana. And I know that we borrowed from a collector um, who lived in Wollongong who 
whose whole house was decked out in Diana material. So really our winner is uh, the 1954 tour. <laughs> yes. So the Royal Tour, we have, as I said, about 600 or items that might be parts of something bigger. Yeah, so I think Princess Diana overall probably... Probably was. ...cornered the market around the Commonwealth. But 1954, for a a collection which which looks at some of the issues that you do, here we have that that, that moment of mid-century with all that brought in terms of the the sense of the modern and, and design. Yeah, and I, I think she was evoking a sort of new period. It was after the war. She certainly became a, a bit of a role model, I think, for how women were perceived. I was talking to a colleague and apparently her mother went to bed with hair curlers on every night, even though she had straight hair, because she was going to look like the Queen and the Queen's hair. So I think there are probably these layers of effect on ordinary Australians that um were exposed in the women's papers like the Women's Day and the Women's Weekly. Yes, it, it, it goes deep, doesn't it, I think, into the, into the national psych. Annie is brilliant. Um, I, I do recommend to listeners jump online and uh, check out the the collection at the Powerhouse website. If, if not in person, we're not sure bits and bobs make their way into public view. Annie, thank you so much. That's a pleasure. Annie Turnbull, Design and Society Curator at the Powerhouse. And that's where you'll find this remarkable collection of things royal. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.